It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is CEO Matt DiLorenzo. Matt has proven to drive his industry in both innovation and design. Under his leadership, Tier Sport has secured major national partnerships with USA Swimming, USA Water Polo, US Masters Swimming, and over 55 universities and colleges. Matt is a graduate of Villanova University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Finance and Economics. Matt DeLorenzo, welcome into the corner office. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. We like to start these uh, podcasts with just getting a little bit of background and understanding, you know, with the CEOs that have been our guests, uh, you know, kind of deeper background story. Tell us a little bit about your early years. You know, where'd you grow up and what was your family life like? Uh, so I grew up in a suburb outside of New York City and um, my family life revolved around uh, swimwear for my whole life. Um, my parents started uh, started this business uh, 32 years ago. Uh, oh, your dad must be Joseph then, right? Yes, my dad. Yeah, I saw that on the website. So I was wondering if it was a family business. Cool. Yeah, it is a family business, which has its uh, pluses and minuses, of (laughs) course. But but yeah, I grew up up outside New York City, a great family, two great sisters. Um, And, you know, the the family worked. You know, that's the, it was uh, at a working mother. And um, it was great. You know, I learned a lot by, by being, but being with my parents, um, went to high school here, uh, and then eventually went on to Villanova to study kind of business and uh, finance. Well, we'll get to that a little bit later. Were you a swimmer yourself? Did did everybody swim in the family? What was kind of the attraction of swimwear? The no, we we are not swimmers. Uh, I played uh, football and baseball growing up, and my sister uh, was a musician. Um, my father had gotten into swimming uh, when he'd partnered with. A uh, man by the name of Steve Furness, who is an uh, Olympic swimmer. So yeah, I wasn't a swimmer, although I do swim now. I you know, swimming wasn't um, swimming wasn't something that we uh, you know grew up in as a right, sport. right. Just was more of a business direction. And mom and dad were both involved in the business. Mom and dad were and still are both involved in. The okay, business. cool, cool. And you said you have two sisters or one. I have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. Okay. You're the middle yeah. child. <laughs> I'm the middle, I'm the and, middle child and, and the only are, boy. Are your, are your siblings involved in the uh, business as well? Uh, no, they're not involved in the business. No. 
So tell us a little bit about some of the early influencers in your life. Obviously, mom and dad had a big role, but you know, were there others, uh, mentors or perhaps uh, coaches, folks that uh, you know had some influence on your direction? I had a great college professor um, who uh, was my finance professor, and I took as many classes as I could with him, uh, Dr. Olson at Villanova. And I also did an independent study with him um, with uh, on uh, some statistical economic stuff. And he was a, a great influence. Uh, he kind of, he spoke about bringing value in all of your dealings. So, you know, everything that you do, bring value to it so that, you know, so that you, you kind of prove your worth. Um, and that, you know, relationships are like a bank, their credits and, and debits and make sure that you, you fill that up and you don't just take from it. So that was, those are lessons that I learned early on and um, that was some of the best best advice I got because I was always uh, you know thinking in a in a in a manner of reciprocity not just kind of taking all the time hey what can I get from this person or whatever like what am I actually giving you know you know we should we should both benefit from our dealings together this this one plus one equals three type of thought um, instead of just kind of hey what can I get out of this what can I get out of it so kind of a pay yeah. it forward type of an approach with yeah, that exactly exactly a pay it forward type of approach an empathetic type of approach um, you know he was a a man of of faith so he was you know, coming from a place of, of gratitude quite a bit and those those things uh, were instilled in me early and and you know that's why I. I I loved, I love Professor Olson for that because yeah, he, awesome, yes, awesome, yeah. So going back to your earlier years, kind of elementary, middle school, were you a good student? I was a good student in the things that I I enjoyed, <laughs> that <I>, you liked, <laughs> that I liked. I I wasn't. Matt, I just have I laugh because there are so many CEOs that say the same thing. Yeah, I excelled at the things that I really enjoyed. Did do too yeah. well the ones I didn't. <laughs> the the things I didn't enjoy, I I had a hard time, um, you know. I had a hard time getting into. I needed to understand why I was taking a subject matter, or I needed to feel like there was a purpose. I, like to to be honest, I wasn't a great math student in high school until I kind of understood what's meaning for you know what I'm going to be using it for later on in life, and then I got a statistical economics degree. So you know, it's like I if I needed to I needed to see the value. I wasn't able to just say, "Hey, this is on the test," so I'm gonna. I'm gonna, you know, memorize it. I, I didn't. It, yeah. I didn't do well. I didn't do well. So you mentioned sports. Um, football was it? What were your outside uh, sports you were involved with? Uh, football, baseball, mostly like team ball sports. Um, played all through high school. Played all the way played through high school. Through, yeah, through high school. Any any aspirations for college sports at all? Or I was I was not that talented. Sadly, <laughs> okay. but enjoyment. yeah, but it was. Um, it was great. I had a lot of friends on uh, on both teams, and uh, you know the camaraderie, and you know learning how to you know kind of play your role. Because I wasn't a superstar on the on the team by any any means, but you know still being able to do your role and be a valued part of the team. member, part of the yeah. team was yeah. something. Because you know eventually you know people rely on you, so you know being able to do what you're supposed to do well, and you know not kind of compromise the team effort was was important. Any uh, other interests, you know, music, theater, politics? Um, uh, music. I, I played the guitar since I was nine years old. Um, I played in some bands in high school. Um, my sister's more of the musician uh, these days. But, yeah, music was always, it was always a way to, like, relax, get out of my head. Um, I still play to this day. Yeah. It's just a way you to. You played a band? Uh, I played with a bunch of guys to kind of goof around. Nothing right, too right. serious. We don't just have jam. 
just yeah. jam. We don't have enough time, but uh, yeah, just you know, maybe once once a week, get the get the juices flowing. Yeah, so. yeah, nice, nice kind of way to take the brain in another direction. For sure, uh, entrepreneurial things. It sounds like you were probably involved in the family business. Tell us a little bit about that, or you know, any other kind of outside things. Again, back during those. Uh, elementary middle school days you know did you have the paper route did you sell things at christmas or did dad and mom pretty much keep you on the payroll paid or otherwise uh with helping with the business i wasn't on the payroll early <laughs> on the early years i can was, imagine you worked for not, your board right <laughs> yeah i worked i i i worked a lot in the family business going from i worked in every department i spent my summers here when did you start? When when was the, your earliest memory of working on the business? It's, it's so it's so early. I I can't remember exactly when, but I mean, I've been I've had to have been here since I was since I was nine or ten. Yeah, I mean, not working yeah. necessarily, but just just hanging out. And I wanted to be part of it. It was really fascinating and interesting to me. There was always stuff going on, new people. I mean, you know, for a kid, you know, you think about like all the all the colors and the fabrics and the machines and the yarns and you know, you know I was just it was like a wonderland. I used to, you know, hang out in the in the cutting rooms and and kind of play with the the fabrics and and pull them out and it was just it was it was exciting. So has it always just been a manufacturing business? Was there ever a retail component? So um we don't manufacture here. We have a a large sample room here. Um but now tier we tier is uh tier has a large retail um i guess distribution so that there's always been it hasn't just been it isn't just manufacturing it's you know it is there's a retail component as well and so when you were growing up it was more in the sample room and uh kind of putting together the swatches and the various things and so forth was that what you recall yeah whether it be that whether it be inspecting fabric laying fabric out a short stint in cutting fabric which was kind of terrifying because <laughs> uh, it's this big machine and you kind of have to cut around the pattern pieces. And I I remember, I remember thinking, wow, like you're supposed to wear these gloves and these guys don't wear the gloves and they could literally just take your finger off. But oh. uh, yeah, it was it was everything to working in the sewing room, to sweeping the sewing room, um, to, you know, m- making one-off samples of suits. Uh, you know, I kind of, I asked if I could be of use all the time. Hey, what can mm. I help with? What can I help with? Um, probably was annoying now that I think about it to some people, but I wanted, I wanted to be part of it. I you know, and it was, it, it just was part of the, it was part of the, the family kind of DNA. That's what, you know, we always, we always talked about, um, you know, in the early years, the business wasn't, uh, very large. So a lot of the employees would come over to the house or they'd stay at the house. So it just, it always, there was always stuff going on. So as a kid, I was, it was always very exciting um, and you know, that, that drew me to wanting to be in the business. So no other outside types of things like, uh, you know, retail jobs or paper routes or anything like that. You were pretty much, I mean, when I was young, when I was younger, I caddied, um, yeah. mm-hmm. which was, uh, I caddied for a few summers, um, which was an interesting job. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I played golf somewhat. I wasn't, I wouldn't say a great golfer, but um it was a it was a good it was a good gig i learned a lot about kind of uh managing people actually because you know it's interesting when you know people get very they're either you know exuberant uh, or they're very upset playing golf so it was always interesting to try and you know you got to keep you have to 
you know, work through sometimes, you know, people's people not having the best the best day on the course. But you still had you still had to do your job and you still had to be positive. And and the thing that'd be crazy is they'd make some sort of a shot and <laughs> their luck would change and then their emotions would change. So <laughs> it kind of, you had to you know, I, it kept me even. Good I learned how to be like yeah. Uh, yeah, I learned how to be even. When did you go on the payroll at Tier Sports? Um, I went on the payroll uh, right after college. Okay. Right after college, I, I came in, um, I'd actually been thinking about going to Wall Street. Um, all through college, I'd interned at a hedge fund, and uh, I'd really enjoyed it. But the, I was coming out of college in 2008, and it, the, the financial landscape Boy, was... Boy, that was a tough, tough year to graduate. Yeah, yeah it was. And, and it was, you know, I'd been working, I'd been interning all through college. So from 2005, all, so in the beginning, from 2005 to 2006, it was amazing. Just right, this is what I'm right. going to be. This is what I'm going to do. Particularly the financial area. Yeah. Right, right. This is what I'm going to do. This is the direction I like to go. And then, I, then I saw. Oh my God! The the world turned, and I said, I don't know if I can. You know, this is. It was exciting, but not not the excitement that I you know really wanted to be a part of. The volatility was was a little overwhelming at, at that age. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do the the family, the family business, and and I'm happy I did because it's been a, it's been a great road. Um, since then. That was nice you had that there. Was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd go to college? Uh, did mom and dad have degrees? There were times where I didn't think that I would necessarily need to go to college, but my parents my parents wanted me to go to college. And, you know, they they challenged me not to necessarily come into the family business it, to make sure that I really wanted to come into the family business. And that was my mother my mother's request, and I think she was right. I think if I would have come into the family business early, it would have been the only thing I ever did know, and I don't think that would have been uh, the best. But she said, "Go out, see what else is out there. You might like something else. Don't get you know trapped here too quickly. You can always come back." So, but I mean, I I had always known that this was something that I really wanted to do, especially uh, tier. I mean, the the component of uh, you know being able to make product and work with Olympic athletes, the, the appeal was just amazing. So I, you know, I, I tried to find other interests. I tried to find other things. I tested other things, but nothing really, you know, nothing drew me to, you know, to, to itself except, except here. Yeah. Cool. Villanova, great school. Uh, what did you study? So I double majored in finance and economics. Uh-huh. So uh, I knew you wanted a business background. I thought I was going to be going to Wall Street, so I did finance, and I figured that, oh, enough credits, or I could, if I take a few more credits here, here, and here, I could still finish in four years and get an economics degree. And that um, prof- the professor that I've been working with in finance, he said, listen, if you really want to understand business, go into economics. It's the you know mother discipline of all of this. It, and I said, you know, I took his advice, and I I added a few courses, so I had a heavy workload, but the economics degree is something that I, I'm really happy that I got because that knowledge just helped, helped me understand how, you know, how markets move and how people think and kind of you know, the psychology behind, behind everything. And, and that, was, that was super helpful. Yeah, that was Professor Olson, right? Yes. And what were the kinds of courses you took from him? So he was he was my finance professor. Um, so for him, I took you know uh, advanced finance and intro to finance. I took mergers and acquisitions. 
<laughs> but quite a few, it sounds like. You, you really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. And then I did an ind- and then we did an independent study uh, analyzing, um, trying to make kind of an algorithm uh, for picking stocks, which didn't actually work out that well at the end of our study. But we tried to analyze some data um, on, on creating an algorithm to do some some kind of short-term trading. So, yeah, we didn't get, we, and we only had one semester to really do it. So, it, you know, it didn't, didn't take off quite like we'd wanted, but it was, it was definitely interesting to think more on the, the quant side of, uh, of the, you know, financial investment. But, you know, at the end of the day, managing people and being more hands-on was, I think, something I really, I really enjoy. That sounds like he had a pretty big impact. Yeah, is he still teaching today? Do you, are you still in touch with him? I have lost touch with him. I'm not sure, but um, but I could check. No, he I, he left uh, an imprint. He he certainly did. Um, he certainly did. I had a few professors that that left an imprint. Um, Villanova was definitely a extremely positive experience. I, I'm not sure if I appreciated it during it. <laughs> I, 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 I definitely knew. I definitely knew it was good while I was going through it. But you know, looking back at it, I'm you know. I'm happy that I, I, I went to to university and made that choice. You know, um, I mean, granted, my parents were you know able to pay for it, um, so you know that uh, you know that allows me to, to to go. I don't know if I would have gone if I'd be straddled with the amount of uh, debt that I'd have had to have taken on, but I mean, the experience from an educational standpoint was significant and definitely helped shape you know the way I think today. And so uh, first job out of college, back to tier sports, did you go right into a management position? Were you kind of rotating through different, you know, departments to learn about the business? Tell us about how, how that, uh, you know, was structured uh, when you came into the family business. Sure. So the the family business has, uh, has multiple kind of departments. Tier, tier sport is one brand under um, kind of our larger holding company. So we also do uh, licensed designer swimwear. Um, and the brands have changed over since I first started, but I, I wasn't exactly sure that I wanted to go into, I didn't know where I wanted to go yet or where I would fit in. I had a finance degree, I had an economics degree that I didn't have, I wasn't coming from a place of, of management. I had never managed people. So I did start kind of rotating through the departments. I worked on, I worked on our international business, uh, initially when I first came in, um, because I kind of thought that that's where my my educational background would take me. Um, but eventually I found my way into making product uh, and the product department. And that's kind of where I, I, I started to really, um, to, to build out my impact on the company was to, to analyze our product and do our merchandising and our segmentation and start to think about how we innovate and make differentiated product for the market. Um, and that's, that's where I, that's where I eventually found myself a few years into, uh, into my journey here. Matt, do you remember the first time you started managing people? A few years in, I started managing people. Uh, it started with, uh, in that design department, I, uh, there was a, a product manager at the time and I managed, um, one person. And, uh, from there we kind of built out the department as we started to build out, um, more and more product. Um, so it was at that time tier, uh, had probably 
a third of the employees it does now since so um you know we were i was managing a a few um designers who are actually still with me yeah, today cool. so. and they were probably with the company sometime uh uh, older than you, I, I probably imagine, right? Not, with, so they were they weren't with the company too long. Um, slightly older than me, but not 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 too much older. Um, but uh, yeah, a bit. Um, yeah, the but yeah, I definitely managed for the most part. I was managing people once I got uh, deeper into the role. I, I started to manage people who were older than me, which is definitely a interesting um, dynamic. Particularly given a family business and, you know, they worked for dad or mom before, right? Yes. Any lessons from those early management experiences? If I could go back and talk to myself, I would tell myself to be a little bit more empathetic and less, <laughs> yeah. and less driven. Um, I think I was, uh, you know, I was kind of right out of school and super ambitious and I think placing a little bit of my drive on everyone because I had I had a lot of goals, and now I I still am very ambitious. But I you know come to realize there's certain people that you can manage to push in a certain way, and there are other you know other people don't necessarily have that drive. I think most people have ambition and drive, but you know it, it, it depends on uh, everyone is is different. Yeah, I don't mean to speak for you, but I know for me, early on, I kind of treated everybody the same way, right? You know, because you think everybody's got that same level of drive and you live over time that uh, you just can't take a cookie cutter approach to management. No, everyone, everyone's different and everyone has, you know, characteristics that, you know, you you need to be aware of. You know, the, the I, I agree. I, I kind of went in with, this is my management style, this is the way I do it. And you Get fit used in, to me. Yeah, ba- basically, you fit into my, and right, just does, it just right. doesn't work. And you That's got, correct. It, it, doesn't get, it doesn't get you where, it, it, it causes so much friction. So, you know, the being empathetic to, to you know, your employees is, is important, you know. Gosh, if we could all go back and speak to our younger selves. <laughs> I love that. How, is you, how would you say your leadership style has evolved over time beyond, you know, what you uh, just mentioned? Uh, naturally, the business is, has grown. So in the, initially, my management style was hands-on. I, I wouldn't want to call it micromanaging because you know, I, I do want people to be able to, to do their job. I don't want to micromanage. I don't want someone to to do a task and then me come in at the last minute and say, oh, why'd you do it this way? Why don't you do it this, this? I should have been there in the beginning to, to give the instruction. I, why, you know, why waste, why waste their, their time? But as it's grown, I've had to become, I've had to empower people more and trust, and trust in their ability, which, you know, honestly has been a challenge because I was so used to doing so much that when you, you know, empower people, you have to let them go and you have to trust in them. So you, I, I wouldn't say I was idle, but you have more time to, you know, to think about um, how are they doing, and you have to just trust that it's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna do the job, and they do. I mean that that you know, and as but initially during that transition, it's are they doing, are they doing what you want? Did I was I clear in speaking to them about about how I wanted this done, or what the vision of the company is, or what we're trying to achieve here? So I had to go from, you know, I had to think about how I was communicating, and was I communicating? effectively because you know i i can say something but if it's not interpreted you know, <laughs> the right way way, we can go we can go and and that was a hard lesson initially because i don't think i communicated as effectively as i i could have and i think and you know it's inefficient so you know coming up with the processes to make sure that 
and we're on the same wavelength is important. How many employees now at Tier Sports? About 150. 150. So it was about, about 50 or so at the time when you joined. Yeah, big, big change. Um, you, you spoke a little bit about micromanagement. How, how do you decide if it's time to micromanage or you know, when to stay out of the sandbox? Um, it's a case-by-case basis. I, you know, for the most part, I, like, we have really great employees here, so I don't really micromanage. Um, you know, it's, I guess if it's like, if there's a crisis, but we don't, I haven't had to micromanage in, in quite a while. We have, uh, we have a good team and, and we have some good processes in place that, you know, there are checkpoints along the way that, so that we check in with each other and say, are we, are we on the correct path. So it's not as though I think micromanaging comes in when, when the, um, when there isn't a clear vision and there isn't a purpose stated, but More clearly communicated, as you mentioned earlier. Exactly. So, you know, micromanaging, I think if you're micromanaging, a lot of people say, Oh, the employees aren't doing it right. Or if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. I don't think that's true at all. I think that's an ego trip to be honest. So I think if you can articulate clearly the vision and you empower your employees, they should, you, that, that's what makes up a great company. It's the people that work there. I mean, it's the people that work there and it's the product that you make together as a group. So an organization, it's like, it's a living organism. It, you know, it get it, it's out of, you know, it, it's bigger than, it's way bigger than me. It's, it's bigger than anybody here. So like, you have to really, you have to think to yourself, if, I, if you're micromanaging, what, what does that say about you as a leader? Because I don't, I, I think unless someone asks for, help or they're really struggling for the most part you can you can now you don't really need to to micromanage ever yeah so true um you know the company's grown obviously exponentially since you've taken over obviously since the time you've joined and as it's grown uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on building a company culture has that, has that culture evolved as well and you know what do you do and ha- how important is that as part of uh, you know tier sports continued success uh, company culture is is extremely important. We spend the vast majority of our time as individuals at work, so so the, the you know work has to be a place where you want to come. You feel you feel like there's purpose in your work, your work. There's meaning in your work. Um, so you know we you know at Tier it's a family business. So we want people to feel like they're part of a family, like they're part of a community, that they're part of something bigger. It's not, you know, we're not corporate. Um it's not it, it it's uh you know working for a family business in the in the private sector is very different than working in corporate America and that's that's a culture that we we promote. I mean we're kind of relaxed here. Um not too relaxed, but uh you know make it we want to make it a make it a welcoming place and an exciting place yeah very important what, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people uh, you invest in i think when we look for people it's you know we look for people who are eager to to progress or, or to do more i want to you know we want people who are ambitious um a lot of the people at tier uh have risen up kind of through the ranks as you know part of our part of our culture um we don't really hire too much from the outside over the over the top. It's a lot of, um, it, 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 yeah, exactly. It, it it's coming up, it's coming up the the ladder. So people who've been here have have been here since the beginning w- with me. 
um, when we started to really grow. And we always look to promote internally first. That's for sure. It's never, so there's always, there's always, I'm always trying to create a roadmap of, of opportunity. So if you're doing a great job, you, you know, you're going to get the shot to be the manager over me bringing somebody in. Cause I want to, I want to reward, I want to reward the, the loyalty to the, to the brand because it's important. And, and that's, it's, it's worked out really well because we've had some people who started out here, um, you know, as uh, entry level, kind of lower level, and, yeah, entry level. Yeah, jobs. and now, and now, ten years later, they're they're managing full on departments. That's so, awesome. You know. Yeah, yeah, really grown up. So, it truly, is a family business in that sense. Uh, they've been an important part of your company family over that period of time. Absolutely. And uh, when you do bring people in from the outside, do you get involved in, into the interviewing uh, beyond obviously the people that would report directly to you? I don't. So the people that work directly uh, for me, I mean, we, we go through, um, I'll kind of observe from afar, but I, again, empower the employees to make the decision. Um, you know, they, we have some, you know, some things that we look for, but I, I don't, I don't interview anymore. I used to quite a bit, but, but now it's, it, you know, just we let, too big. It, yeah. Yeah. We let, well, we let, I mean, we let the, you know, we let the managers interview if it, it you know, I feel that way they take ownership of it sure, as opposed to me absolutely. saying, I, I think this person's great for you. Here you go. <laughs> no, it's no, you go through the process, you pick who you like. And then if it works out th that you can take the, you know, responsibility, that's excellent. And if it doesn't, then you have to look at what, what happened, what I do. So there's accountability in that process. So, you know, and, and it's a learning experience as opposed to me coming in and saying, look, do this, this, and this, that, that doesn't, be that, that doesn't benefit us long-term. The idea is the managers and people grow, you know, and the organization fosters that growth. You know, the, for me to think that I can come in and, and, you know, I don't necessarily know who, you know, better than someone running their department, how to run their department. So, I mean, it's a collaboration. They have to have ownership in it. Absolutely. Yeah, you delegate that. That's great. When was the last time you hired someone that reported directly to you from the outside? Quite a while ago. Yeah, I, no, that's I cool. haven't. I would say, uh, I my C suite I put together has been almost eight, seven or eight years now. That's awesome. So awesome. I have and, and mostly all internal. Mostly all internal. Yeah, actually all internal. And no one started. I didn't have a C-suite when there was no C-suite uh, when I first started. So um, it was um, with some people from from different departments and, and they wanted to step up. They asked to step up. They asked to do more. And I said, okay, we'll give it a, let's do it. And and it's worked out. So I haven't, no, I, we we really, we really grow internally. That that's that's our a big philosophy of, of of ours, which is if you've been here, you know the business. There isn't a learning curve. The people know you. It you know it, it's it, you know it's the next man up type of approach. It's like a football approach. But we believe in our employees, so I don't need to go out and necessarily go grab just so and so talent. And you know because the cult, you know when when we do promote from within, it, it, the culture grows. You know. Matt Lorenzo, you've been very, very generous with your time. We appreciate that today. We have one last question, one that we ask all the CEOs. And, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone that, you know, has their eyes on the corner office or maybe wants to be an entrepreneur or come into a family business like yourself and, and make it to uh, leading that organization? I think you have to ask, why do you want to be, why do you want to be here? Because if you're coming in for notoriety or if you're coming in for money um, or uh, to have a house or a car, whatever it may be. I, th that's the wrong reason. And, and that's not, 
I don't think that you'll find fulfillment within the position. I think that the fulfillment comes from growing growing an organization and growing a culture and growing a business kind of as a community. So, you know, I would, you know, understanding why, your why, and being super clear on, I want to be in a management position because is, I think, extremely important because I think oftentimes people um, romanticize about you know, how amazing it is to to be in an executive and it's a it's a challenging position and there you know there's a lot of dealing with with people on a on a personal level um and it, it that that can that can be sometimes uh challenging so you have to i think understanding your why which and is important right in everything yeah. is the right is so just question why and if you're and if the reasons align and you're in in a great in a good place then certainly pursue it but knowing why you want it why you want to do it i think is important matt thank you so much and best of luck and continue to grow to your sports thank you so much thank you for listening to into the corner office with brant hanley we hope you enjoyed hearing our guest ceo story as much as we did if you want to hear more ceos reveal their journey into the corner office please subscribe via itunes and tell your friends and colleagues For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.